and Susan Finch here, okay. your host for Rooted in Revenue. And today I am joined by somebody, I'm a big fan of his work, Richard Moore, who is a product designer. Hey, Richard. I'm just going to tell everybody a little bit about you for just a second. Okay, perfect. <laughs> he is a product designer and he's an architect and we can't quite nail him down because he is involved in a couple of different endeavors but how i came to know him he is up here in portland but i came to know him through walrus toys because he is my toy solution my go-to solution for every new fabulous baby that gets born that's our relatives and so richard with that welcome thank you this is exciting well, I'm glad to have you here, and you were quite spontaneous to do this with me. And part of what motivated me, I'm going to have to show people the newest toy, because that's what got me excited. It's like, oh, man, I should interview these guys, because I've been fans of yours for, what, six, seven years, I think. Chimeras is the name of their toy line, and they they're soft plush toys, folks, that are different animals and you can pull them apart and make them look however you want. And that's what makes them so versatile and they're really durable. So they're perfect for little kids. And that's how I came to know them. We're going to get into your background and things, but the chimeras, how did they come about in the first place? I went to architecture, architecture school at Columbia and I met a friend there and we just collaborated on a lot of projects at school. And then we had a lot of product ideas that we sort of just bounced off of each other. So he went to school for, for product design in undergrad. And he had this idea of, of mix and match plush. It was one of the ideas that we, that we kind of started with. It wasn't one of the first products we launched. And we sort of worked together and came up with kind of the, the bewildered look on their face. And we had to figure out the connection, kind of the details and designing it. And kind of the style, the idea behind the toy, I think, or the reason we wanted to do toys is because we felt like I collect vinyl toys and I have these these toys that are done by designers. They're very cool. Kids can't play with them. They just sort of sit on the shelf. They look cool, but no kids want to buy them. And then there are, if you just walk through the toy section of a store, most of the toys in in my opinion, are pretty, pretty tacky. Tacky, uh, definitely. A lot of loud colors, which I'm, I'm okay with colors, but um, it just feels like the whole industry is sort of treating kids like they don't have any taste. Like they just want to play with stuff. Whatever will get their attention, that's fine. So we wanted to make some toys that were um, both fun for kids to play with, but also looked cool and looked like a designer created them. So that was kind of the the idea behind the whole the whole brand. We launched Chimeras quite a while ago, and we put out new Chimeras every so often. But um, we've sort of been distracted by other brands, and we are looking to change that very soon. We have about four new products, new toys that we are hopefully going to be launching around probably the end of September. Oh, um, I can't so, wait. So, so we have we have four new toys, com complete new toys. They're not chimeras, and we're trying to sort of expand the the offering of walrus toys. So, can you give us a hint? No. Oh, I you stink! I can't tell you anything other than uh, for a long time there's kind of been a question. Well, it's walrus toys, but you just have one toy, which is you know the chimeras. Yeah. 
Um, and hopefully that will change very soon. So when you did your initial launch, where did you drum up the people to expose it to? Uh, so we did a Kickstarter. For I remember that. Um, there, was, there was quite a few, uh, there, there was a lot of expensive tooling and the toys themselves are pretty expensive to make. And so the initial investment wasn't huge, but it was enough that it was, it was a lot for us. <laughs> so, and plus we had, we had what I, I still think is kind of a, a fun idea. I have four kids. And so they've, they've sort of been our focus group. And we thought it would be fun to have them tell the story, have them do the Kickstarter video. And I mean, to this day, it's one of the things my kids always want to watch. They say, oh, let's watch the, the Chimeras video. So it's one of my, my favorite things that I've done is just the video. So that's how we, we got funding initially. You went into Kickstarter, though, when it was at its heyday. Yes. Where it was oversaturated, abused, when it was still reputable and truly for kickstarting endeavors just like this. Yes, it was. Um, it was pretty saturated at the time. It, it was early on, and I'm sure it's gotten much worse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, it, was, it was earlier. It still seemed like there were a ton of projects on it, though. For it to surface to the top of my feed, though, and that I was actually still checking in there for interesting oh. artistic things to you know, support. Yeah. And, because that is how I found you, and the video is what did it. Oh, good. Oh, good. That makes me feel good. Yeah, the video, it's like, oh my gosh, I showed my kids. They said, these toys have style. These are cool. And my, kid, my kids are 17 and 14, but they said, we need to get these for some of the kids in the family. And so, you know, that's, that's how that, that relationship with your company came about. Well, I want to tell one story about the video. So my, um, my son, Conrad, in, in the video, he was, man, I don't know. He may have been three or four. Uh-huh. Um, but he, yeah, I think he must have been four. So after we filmed the video, we were kind of packing things up, and he leans back in his chair, and he said, so are we getting paid for this? Are we getting any money for this? And I said, you know, it's a good question. You know, my, my business-savvy little four-year-old. So I said, you know, it's a good question, but uh, no, you're not. You're, you're my son, and we're not paying you. And so he said, he thinks for a second, he said, well, then why are we doing it? And I was like, yeah, that's a pretty, pretty good kid. You know, I, I was, he's always been like that. He's always sort of interested in, in business and how people make money. So I thought it was cool that even at four, he was already thinking, hey, wait a minute, how are you going to compensate me for my time? I can relate to that because my kids, I've worked from home since I started my company. And before they were born. And my son, I mean, he's been helping me vet out logo designs since he was about that age. Oh, cool. And he has asked that same question. So, well, you know, who's getting paid? And he's done some, you know, promo videos for clients and things. I said, you're investing your time in the family business. Yeah, that, that would have been a better, I was so surprised by his question. I yeah. didn't really know what to tell him other than no. <laughs> well, it's one of those things that I wish I would have gotten on tape because- yeah. The way he did it was, are we getting any money for this? So we put out the Kickstarter and the idea was um, we wanted, if after that, after the initial set, the toy kind of had to pay for itself, Mm -hmm. we would move on to a a different product. Luckily it has. 
we've continued to to sell pretty well and it's been enough to keep the product line going and expanding. So let's talk about that. You started in architecture. You're an architectural designer. You design structures. And your partner, what is his name? His name is Avik. All right. And so I met him in architecture school. It's Avik, A-V-I-K. It rhymes with Havoc. That's how he, <laughs> people always mispronounce it. So, But the two of you have that background and you have this toy endeavor. And I don't want to get into the numbers because that's none of my business. But what I do want you, if you don't mind sharing with people, did you transition out of architecture? Are you still doing that? And the toys, do the toys support enough that you don't need to do the architecture? Or do you want to do both to have the better life and to stay inspired? So we want to do both. And it's not just toys. We have, we have three brands and we make a wide range of products. We make a lot of yeah, we make some tech accessories, we make some home accessories, we make, uh, we have a broad range of products. Walrus Toys is the toy company. We are very lucky to, that that can support us. Um, we're, we're still a small company, but it is enough to support the two of us and our families. However, we both, and I more so than my my partner, but I am very much interested in doing design in various different forms. So yes, we do some architecture and we do some graphic design and illustration. We do some creative services for people. And mostly that is to be involved in as many different products as we can. In the design world, there's a saying that graphic designers all want to be product designers. Product designers all want to be architects, and architects all want to be graphic designers. <laughs> so, so we started, you know, graphic designers want to do something that's 3D and kind of tangible. Product designers want to do something that's going to be around for 100 years and won't wind up in a landfill. And, and architects just want to do something simple. They're tired of sorting out ductwork and bathrooms and all the complexities of architecture and they just want to focus on doing something beautiful like graphic design so we thought between the two of us we had enough experience that we could legitimately do all three so that's that's really what we try and do and then if we come up with a product design that doesn't exist in the world we have no interest in doing i guess a me too product right you know we don't want to do a product that someone else has already done even if it's a really good idea, you know, kudos to them. We're proud of whoever does is doing innovative, cool stuff, but we're not interested in copying people. Well, talk to me about patents. Patents. Okay. And with the chimeras in particular, I'm assuming yeah. you have at least one. Yeah. So we do have a design patent on it. It's a tricky world, and we are lucky in this regard also because my Avic sister is a very good um, IP lawyer Ooh, in San Francisco. Nice. Yeah, and she, if there's anything that requires a lot of time, she'll, she'll hand us off to someone who, who has more time. But um, she is very good at getting us started and letting us know, well, you can patent that, you can't patent that, you 
could patent that, but you'll never spend the money to protect it. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky part of the business, I guess. And mostly what we try and do is we try and do innovative stuff and then we try and get as much publicity for it as we can to the point where if anyone else copies it, they'll just look lame. <laughs> Then we all kind of can stay out of court, I guess. We do have uh, in-house counsel without having in-house counsel, I guess. I think that's one place I recently interviewed Kareen McCormick, and she designed, well, the eyewear that I'm wearing. But she has several patents on even display. And I think that one of the biggest mistakes a lot of you innovators make is not realizing you can't trust people. There are weasels out there and set aside the money to protect before you go too far because it's hard to backtrack and and almost always impossible. Yeah, that's true. And there are a lot of weasels out there and people, oh, so we have a different product. (laughs) It's a simple product. And I got an email. Someone accidentally sent me an email and they were saying, hey, I want to do something like this. They sent an email to me on accident, basically telling me that they want to copy my product. It was so ridiculous. Awesome. But, I mean, there are just a lot of people who just want to make a buck. They do. And they don't, want, they don't have a creative thought in their head other than how to steal something. They think, oh, this is good. And I just want to make some money. So I'll copy it. What is the most valuable lesson you've learned? from doing walrus toys that actually caught you off guard? Uh, I think before we started making products, so now we probably have 150 SKUs. We have quite a few products now. And before we started this, I think I thought the hard part was the idea. If you come up with a really good idea, that's the hard part. And that's the part I loved. And then I thought next would probably be getting funding, getting people, you know, making the initial investment. I have since learned that those are the easy things. I mean, Avic and I, we, we have about 75 ideas. We keep a running list of ideas of, you know, every so often we, we try and meet once a week and brainstorm about those ideas. And we pick one that we think is particularly good. And then we, we refine it and uh, have it made. That process, may, I, that makes it sound like it's really simple. But the idea part is not the hard part for us. And if you have a good idea or a good product, I still think Kickstarter will help you get funding. Um, there are ways to get funding. But the problem is, once you have money, actually mass producing something is extremely difficult because, you know, all the different processes that go into it. And typically, you're working with a factory overseas. And our first employee actually was someone to manage all of that. So our our first employee... um, is a liaison with all the factories. She only works with us. She doesn't have a lot of different clients. And without her, I don't know how we would get anything done because I mean the horror stories. This is why this is why people on Kickstarter they'll they'll get funding. They'll take lots of pictures in the factory, you know, and then, you know, it's a year past their 
their ship date and they're still, you know, there's always this email of we decided not to sacrifice quality. So we're going to take longer and everyone's mad because everyone thinks it's a simple thing. And I understand that. And I understand why companies, even big companies like Apple, they had the air pad, I think it was called. They had like a, a mat that was supposed to charge all of their things wirelessly. Right. And they announced it a long time ago. Then just recently, I think at the last keynote, they, they canceled the product. They said, we're not doing it. So even a company like Apple still runs into these, the challenges of mass producing any product. I mean, the fidget spinner or the fidget cube, it's like a little cube with buttons on it, right? I think most people look at that and say, that is a simple product. What's the problem? They made 6 million on Kickstarter. It was kind of a fiasco. Now I think they've stabilized and they've gotten it down. But yeah, even simple products are just extremely, extremely difficult to make. Well, that's a good lesson. So if you had to give yourself, before you started Chimeras, before you started the things outside of architecture, what is the piece of advice you would want to give yourself to do it better the first time? Or do you have any? I mean, you're super pleased and you wouldn't redo anything. Um, I think... I'm pretty happy. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty pleased with how I think what I would tell most people, and I think I was a little more prepared for this, but I think a lot of people romanticize what we do. It is very fulfilling and it is a lot of fun to come up with products and have them made. It is in, in a lot of ways, it's a dream job. It's also extremely difficult. I mean, there's not so I think back when I had a, a normal architecture job and I would show up and I had my little sphere of responsibility and I would do my job and I would go home and it wasn't very stressful. And if there were problems, there were a bunch of people who could share in that responsibility usually. And now it's all on us. So if, if something goes wrong, it's very personal. It's, it's difficult and it's all our risk. We don't have any outside investors. We haven't needed them up to this point, but I think I just would like to tell other people <laughs> and maybe myself, maybe I've just gotten used to it, but yeah, it's extremely rewarding, but it's also extremely challenging. To not get caught up in the romance of I'm going to make something cool and how fun everybody will buy it. Yeah. And some people, you know, just, there's a lot to be said for just having a, a good stable job that, that pays yeah. the bills and um, offers some security. Having said that, I don't think I could ever go back for what it's worth. I'm with you on that one. I, I look at friends working in large companies and stressing even more than I do. If we don't have a pro, if I don't have projects for my team, we don't have projects. I have to go get them. Yeah. If something goes wrong. It's on me. So I completely can relate to that, but I would never want to do it a different way. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how I feel. I guess the other thing that I think is really important, and I sort of lucked into this, but I feel like at least maybe not just in creative professions, but I feel like partners are very valuable. Someone to, you know, my partner, I have a lot of bad ideas and my partner will say, <laughs> no, some of your ideas are great. This is not one of them. <laughs> And I, I do the same for him. And we're, we're to the point where I, I don't, we don't take it personally because we've worked together for so long and I think we, we value each other's opinion. But I remember at one point someone asked me, 
well, is the workload even, you know, do you, are you both contributing the same amount? And I remember thinking it's never even, and you know what? I don't care because without him, uh, whether or not right now he's putting in as much work as I am, doesn't really matter because without him, I, it wouldn't work. I think it, it's the same. It goes the other way also. And there are times when he's picking up slack for me and there are times when I pick up slack for him. And I think if, you, if you're always worrying about it being fair, it's detrimental to the partnership. Whatever you're trying to accomplish is going to be kind of restricted by that. That's a huge point. I see more partnerships, even marriages fail when it becomes this competition of who's getting their fair share. Because when that's the goal, rather than the overall good of the success of the product, the let's provide for our family's success and what does that look like? I think that's where people run into problems. It doesn't have to be defined, but the overall large looming goal has to be, you guys have to be in alignment. We are doing this to have a better life for us and for our families and to have joy. Okay, now what does that look like to get there? I guess my advice to anyone or maybe to my younger self is don't worry about it. It's never going to be fair. And if you waste your life trying to make it fair, you're going to be alone because that's the only way it's fair. (laughs) Yeah. But you won't have much to, you'll have a lot more even if it's not fair. So That's that's a great parting bit of advice. Well, Richard, we're at the end of our time here, and I want to tell people, let's tell them all the places to find you. We know it's at walrustoys.com. So Walrus Toys is a big one. Um, I Love Handles is probably the biggest brand that we have. I Love Handles. I-L-O-V-E-H-A-N-D-L-E-S.com. Yes, that was the real breakthrough for us. And then tell me about 0110. So 0110, I think this is kind of a fun story. So we both graduated. My partner uh, moved to San Francisco and he started working for Apple as a product designer. I moved to Portland because I always wanted to live in Portland. We were sort of throwing ideas back and forth. And I thought, you know what, it's time to... Like if we're going to do this, we we need to we need to do it. So I flew down to San Francisco for a week, and I I stayed with him, and we we threw out all of our ideas and drew them on a whiteboard. And Chimeras was one of those ideas, but we had we had an idea for a social network, we had an idea for a cartoon, we had tons of ideas. We didn't restrict ourselves at all. We just thought. If we have an idea for it, we're, we're, we'll throw it up there. We'll we'll see if there's a way to get it done. So we wanted an umbrella company that would be able to encompass all of the things that we wanted to do. And that was 0110. I went down there in um, January of 2010. So that's where the name comes from. It's also, uh, if you, like, 01 looks like a lowercase a for mm-hmm. Avic, and 10 looks like a lowercase r for rich. So there are a bunch of other reasons that we sort of reverse engineered. I guess that's the umbrella company that we we do everything under. And we're trying to build out the brand of Walrus Toys. We're also trying to build the brand for 0110. So if you go to any one of our our brands websites, usually people think, oh, these are cool. 
but they have no idea that it's all linked to all of this other stuff. And so we are trying to develop the brand of 0110. So there's one place that shows everything that we're doing and working on. All right. So I'm going to send everybody to these sites so they can get to know you a little bit better. And I am looking forward to receiving the announcement of the new toys. And there is, there is another Kickstarter coming. So okay, I'm ready. We might get the old gang back. There's a where one of the toys is kind of its own category. You'll, I can't tell you any more okay. than that. But <laughs> it's going to be, I think it's great. Well, Richard, thank you for being a guest today on Rooted in Revenue. Folks, I'm Susan Finch, your host today. And we, you will find us on the Funnel Radio Network, as well as rootedinrevenue.com and all the places that you catch your podcast replays. We will look forward to talking to you again. And thank you for joining us. Never miss an episode. Check out rootedinrevenue.com and subscribe on the site to get weekly updates of when new episodes come out. Or find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio. We want to be where you are, so go subscribe. We'll get you all the information you need to do your best with marketing of events and your online presence.